When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Home Field Podcast. This is kind of be it'll kind of be like a a little collaboration between me and Kev, but we also have another featured guest, one of my best friends from college when I was down at FGCU. We got Tyree Hunter on the podcast today. What's going on? What up, boys? How y'all doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Nice. How about you? Chilling. Thank you for having me. This oh, is yeah, cool. For sure. Of course, All right, bro. So, All right. So just to kind of give everybody a rundown of what we'll go over today, uh, obviously we'll go over the national championship game between Alabama and Ohio State last night. Uh, we'll dive into a little bit about the past games from uh, this past weekend in the NFL, and then we'll set some time aside just for some news regarding Kyrie Irving and his ongoing uh, situation with the Nets right now. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the situation of Juju Smith-Schuster and pretty much the entire Steelers wide receiving core becoming a meme this past weekend. So first things first, we'll dive into the national championship game. Obviously, Alabama steamrolled Ohio State last night. It was it was a pretty tough game to watch if you were an Ohio State fan last night. Tyree, I'm going to just get straight to you. What was your overall impressions from the game last night? Um, To be honest, it was like – I was okay with pretty much any outcome just because I knew I knew where we were as a team and where Alabama was as a team. So I knew that they were good. I knew that they were straight, bro. I knew, bro, Najee Harris, like, doesn't even get the recognition because of, you know, Devontae Smith. Like, mm-hmm. and then, like, that whole squad is just, like, straight. So, like, I knew what to expect. I knew that we could put up points against them. And if, you like, you go back, like, we put up, like, 30-ish points. They took back, like, two touchdowns. Like, we, we were moving the ball, but the hard part was being able to stop them. You know, like, yeah. everybody knew, like, it was two good offenses, two-ish defenses. Um, so it was like whoever could get the stops was going to win. Uh, and they, they stopped us plenty of times, and we didn't stop them a single time. So well, that – Go ahead. Go ahead. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what it I is. Mean, I think I real mean, quick – oh, um, we had we had a couple of things that I think would have made it a little closer. I, th- I don't know if we would have won, and so it's not an excuse. Um, but we were missing some key defensive linemen. So they got no pressure all game and Trey Sermon, like Justin Fields plays better with a run game. So that's why you saw him cut up a little bit against Clemson. Cause Sermon was spazzing, you know? So as soon as Sermon went out, I'll tell you one thing, like I'm never, I've never been like a, ma- a master T guy. So when Sermon like came up, I was like, Oh, okay. Like we might be able to do a little something. And so when he went down, with the, you know, um, the defensive linemen that were out, starters, like three or four starters were out. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that it wasn't going to be – it would it should have been closer than it was. Like, mm-hmm. it would have been closer. Um, with Sermon uh, cutting up, you know, that earlier in the second half, you know, they want to pull away going into the third quarter. And then, you know, it's a game. So, I don't know. I'm not too. I'm not too mad about it. Alabama's good, and I like those guys. Najee Harris, I like those guys. So I'm not. I'm not upset. I think we were the second best team this year. So and, can't be too mad the, about it. And the thing is, like when I was watching the game last night, I mean through the first quarter and maybe like a portion of the beginning of the second quarter, I thought you guys were in it because yeah. there was a point. There there was a point in the first half where you guys were kind of trading touchdowns, and it was kind of yeah. like okay, like who's gonna Who's going to get that one stop on the defensive side of the ball? And then can the other offense capital, capitalize on that? And I thought yeah. 
I really thought actually Ohio State was really in the game after they uh, stripped the ball from Mac Jones. Yeah. And, they, and then they tied it up 14-14. But then, I mean, after that, I think Ohio State had like two of their stalls, uh, two of their drive stall, stall out back to back. And then Alabama capitalized on that, whether it was Najee Harris or Devontae Smith. I mean, they, they just capitalized on some of the defensive mistakes or the scheme mistakes that Ohio State had. And they yeah. took full advantage of it. Like it, like to me, like when I was watching the game, I was really kind of surprised that they weren't really uh, that Alabama wasn't really able to run the ball as well as I thought that they would have. And I think in large part, it was the fact that really Ohio State's defensive line and their linebackers were really, really kind of clogging up those gaps. And it, it wasn't like Najee Harris had like the greatest game running the ball. He was mostly utilized sparingly running the ball but he made a lot of damage and then a lot of those bubble passes, a lot of those screen passes. And he took, you know, I remember one of the touchdowns he got was like a 30 yard, like little bubble screen and he breaks a couple tackles and then it's a touchdown. And then Devontae Smith. I mean, I don't know what else you could really say. about Smith. I I mean, I think people forget that he was the guy that caught the game winning touchdown two years ago when Tua Tagovailoa came in for relief of uh, Alabama at that point in time. And he yeah. threw the game when he touched on to him. And then two years later, he's the star wide receiver, not only just Alabama and the SEC, but I mean, the entire country. I mean, he's, he's literally a he top three, him. top five pick going at this point in this year's draft. So he's, he's an absolute stud, but I didn't expect him to go off for 12 catches, like 215 yards receiving and then three touchdowns. I, I mean, the, I remember the last touchdown that he got. I mean, they had a linebacker lined up on him, for God's sakes. It was I mean, his own defense, bro. I, I was, get it. It was his own defense. But, I, I mean, you're just asking for trouble, and especially if you're not able to get any sort of pass rush against uh, that's Alabama's what offense. That's but what but that's the thing. Alabama's offensive line is probably the most undervalued or the most underrated aspect of that team is the fact that literally Matt Jones could sit back in the pocket, just chill back there, sip some tea and then throw the ball if he needs to. Like he's had a bunch of time. I don't even remember him really getting pressured outside of that one sack where he got strip sack. There was no pressure all night. No pressure and, all night. And that's the thing. I mean, he threw for what, like 450 yards? Like 456 on us. Yeah. Bro. Like, 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 he had to go that hard, bro. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 464 and five touchdowns, man. I, I mean, he's unstoppable. I mean, if Devontae Smith didn't dislocate his finger, there's a very good chance that Matt Jones would have probably thrown for over 500 yards. Matt Jones is not all like, don't get it twisted. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you of the system. You got, you got crazy skilled players and a good offensive line and Nick Saban calling and not even, uh, Oh boy. Uh, Sarkeesian. What's his, what's uh, the offense? Sarkeesian. You got him calling plays. Like all you gotta do is throw the ball up. Like, come on, bro. That's what I'm saying. He's definitely a product of the system. Yeah. But, but he's the, Matt Lyon. But, but Devontae Smith could have had literally 300 yards receiving. That's so disrespectful. It's not. That's, not, so, not, that's not, so disrespectful. That's so disrespectful. Let's not act like Matt Leiter didn't have Reggie Bush and um, Lindell White coming out the backfield. You had Steve I mean, Smith on the on the on the right. Like, come on, let's not act like ooh. USC. I I mean, I'll tell you this though. I mean, whether you like it or not, Matt Jones could be a first round draft pick. And he's gonna mean, be a he gonna be a disappointment. I'm just telling you that's what it's probably gonna end up being. I, I mean, weren't you talking last night about Wade Stock going down after he got torched by Devontae Smith after he yeah, said he he's out of the he's matchup? out of position, but I know we're yeah. not getting that deep into things. He was out of position. He's not a corner, he's not a man up corner. He's a he's a safety. Like he was when he was in the nickel with other like defensive backs, he's straight, but he was out of position. So, I did the one. The one going down. Don't get it twisted. Like. I, I I think the one thing that surprised me about Devontae Smith was really his his separation speed. Like when you're yeah. watching him, like you know, he reel the ball in and then get yards after the catch. It doesn't look like he's going that fast, but it's his stride. His stride is huge, so it looks effortless yeah. to him. It almost kind of reminds me of like Randy Moss to a certain extent, like where it doesn't even look like he's running that hard. It's the same thing with Devontae Smith, and. I mean, give him credit. I mean, the dude basically weighs only about 170, 175 pounds on a good day. But, I mean, he takes full advantage of his speed and just beats everybody with it. So, 
I mean, he, he turned freaking Ohio State secondary into burnt toast as far as I'm concerned. So, Tyree, my big thing for you is as an Ohio State fan through and through, you're watching this game and you're seeing Najee Harris kind of get bottled up to a certain extent, and then you see this man, Devontae, just absolutely torching your guys in secondary. Like, did you think that Day would come out with an adjustment for him in the second half, like uh, maybe a double-team man coverage, you know, some form of a shade if they're going to continue to run that zone? Like, why did they let him beat you guys so bad? First, the DBs, was we were a down year. When you put DBs out into the league like we do, you're going to have a, a down year. So, like, our our secondary wasn't, like, what it usually is. Come on, like, we just put Jeff Okuda in. What's old boy mm-hmm. in Indiana from two years ago? Uh, Hooker. Oh, Malik. Like, we put – yeah, we Malik. put DBs out. You feel me? So, with that, you know, and then you're not getting pressure. My whole thing is early in the game, like, Kyle mentioned, like, he thought we were in it. I'm, go- I'm not going to cap. Like, I knew we were losing. There's some in things the in college that you can look at. There's some things in college that you can look at and you can see, like, oh, you're in as 14-14 now, but they're killing you in the uh, at the line of scrimmage. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're if you're not getting any pressure, they're going to continue doing what they're going to do, and we're not going to be able to. So, with no pressure on 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 Jones, and on the flip side, um, Bama's. You know what I'm saying? They're they're blowing us up a little bit, like. If you if they're losing if we're losing that line of scrimmage battle, the team that's winning that is going to pull away. You know, so I I knew that we would we were going to put up points, but we were never going to be able to like stop them. Um, I don't. At one point, I was like, "How are you forgetting about the Heisman Trophy winner?" But he's the Heisman Trophy winner. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what? You're not at wrong. one point, you got to just respect it. I don't know. I, somebody asked on Twitter uh, if it was like, is Sean Wade this bad or is Devon A. Smith that good? And I'm going that he's that good at, at the mm-hmm. college level, you know? Yeah. Like, college is, for some people, like, we saw Reggie Bush toy with people. Like, some people, mm-hmm. it's very easy for them at the college level. I think he's that good. The only thing, the only disagreement I have is Bama produces freaks at the wide receiver position. I mean, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper when he feels like playing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think I think Devonta is going to end up being one of those players because it it, for whatever reason one leaves and another stud comes right in, and I mean immediately. Only thing is he's small for the NFL, bro. He's skinny. He wants to put up some weight. I'm 155, like. I get cracked, bro. Like he's small for the league, bro. That's the only thing. He has all the tools, but he he's small. And he but he knows everybody knows it'll be it'll be a point of emphasis. So he's nice. And I like I he's a he's good. He's a good kid. I like a lot of those players on Alabama. So I don't got nothing bad to say about him. Um in terms of the adjustments, we just we don't we didn't have the athletes or the, the personnel to, to stop him. And it's just that simple. So, no, nah, I wasn't too mad. I knew we were getting blown up at the line of scrimmage. So, our second quarter, I was like, oh, it's going to be a long night. So, it's all good. We, like, we are the second best team in the league. I think beating Clemson, just going back real quick, beating Clemson solidified that. I feel like if we kept losing – before we get into the chip, like then there's like this idea in the in the um and the committee's head, like, hey, we can't just keep putting Ohio State in. Maybe the Big Ten isn't what they are. But I think we got a little more cachet for a couple of more years. Um, if you look back at our 2019 um commits, it was a down year. So it's like we're I think we're good. I think Bama was very, you know, Bama, Bama was just on one of them years. So yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows Nick Saban has one of those years where all the recruits play, everybody's healthy, and it just, you know, you just need someone to put the ball in places because we all know that the, the quarterbacks of Alabama aren't not bad. Like, not necessarily good. anything Sims, exactly. That's why we won was because Blake Sims was bad. Like, you know what I'm saying? You need yep. adequate, and you're going to win if you're Bama. Like, I, I do think that there's a point that you guys are missing. And don't get me wrong, like, Top to bottom, the Alabama's offense is just stacked, whether it's the receivers, whether it's the offensive linemen, whether it's the running backs. 
even the quarterback to a certain extent, whether you want to say that he's a system quarterback or not, they're extremely effective in marching down the field and getting points whenever they need be. And a lot of that goes to scheme as well. So you have to give Steve Sarkeesian a lot of credit, especially with Devontae Smith, because there were some plays where they used Devontae kind of in different packages and they would motion him out and then bring him back. And then they would run like almost like these little screens off to the side. I remember that one touchdown that he got was one play where he, he motions inside and then he cuts back, they snap the ball. And then literally it's just a little like pitch and catch to him. And then he just outruns everybody. Like, and, and there were points in time where I think it was Wade. I think Wade was matched up on, I forget, um, one of the guys that scored a touchdown. It was in the second half. Yeah. Where they brought they brought the guy in motion. Wade is kind of almost like he's jogging, jogging with yeah. him. Trash. And then it's literally just a little pitch and catch. And then Wade can't make up the ground because he's not he's not matching him toe to toe when he's going in motion. And then all you gotta do is just beat him a little bit with speed. That's and just then, a product. That's a product of all the weapons that they have. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they just keep you off balance because even Waddle, bro, like, come on, like, they have they have just too. so many weapons that you're off balance, that you're on your toes. You know, so it's like, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I be running the, full speed? Like, and it's designed it's too. off balance. And it's designed. I, I I thought that Alabama came in with a pretty creative offensive strategy last night and it it just seemed like Ohio State was just on their toes their entire night it's just like Ohio State like defensively they they really couldn't get into the proper adjustments they were kind of going toe-to-toe with them in the first quarter but then it just seemed like Alabama just put their pedal they literally just put pedal to the metal and just never looked back and then kind of flipping on Ohio State here for a second it just seemed like uh, offensively Ohio State those touchdowns that they got, they seemed like they had to really work for those ones. And then comparing that to Alabama's offense, it just seemed like Alabama was able to get those a lot easier and march down the field a lot easier to get those points than Ohio State. Ohio State had to earn those touchdowns where it seemed like Alabama just walked I, through it. it. Yeah, essentially. It just it looked easy to them just because they were able I to feel hit. Like when we scored, it was, it, I feel like when we scored, it was pretty easy, to be honest. I you had like, to want it. You had to, I, I'm just saying the drive. I think like two or three of so, those touchdowns were pretty easy. I think. Well, two, well, one of them was in the red. One zone. of them was in the twenty. Yeah. yeah. But I think the other two that we got were pretty easy. Yeah, I think. And they, remember, they took back like three straight touchdowns. Three. I remember like, the we we were able to like move. There was one point. It's like in the third where all we had to do was stop Bama one time, and it was yeah, a game, was and we couldn't do it. Like, and, and that was with Devontae out. And they still couldn't stop. Probably him. at that point, because Devont, yeah, Devonte went out like within like the first or second play of the third quarter. Yeah, I was about to say because he had those numbers at half, and he didn't get those, he, and nothing increased at the end of the day. Yeah, so the yes. same. Uh, I mean, it, it it almost kind of reminds me of like Tyreek Hill against the Bucks a couple weeks ago, where he just dominated the Bucks literally in the first quarter. Stopped. It almost kind of reminded yeah. me. It was literally the same thing. They just couldn't, they just couldn't have a matchup to really even slow him down, like. It just seemed like whatever the whatever position they put him in, he was just he was just going to exploit the the disadvantage in Ohio State's defense and just make him pay for it. It was just it was an impressive performance for sure. It was it was straight. It was all right. But I mean, with the season coming to an end, what really what are your expectations uh, for both teams moving forward for next for next season? Bama's should be ranked one. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think, and I seen like yeah. a like a like I seen a little joint about the two, way too soon top twenty five, and they got Ohio State at five. I don't yeah, know I saw, what I saw like I don't know where your head is at, but we reload ba- too. Like, is that based off recruiting somewhat? Yeah, yeah, basically, and and who's leaving? So like I get in their head, they're thinking Justin Fields is leaving. They don't recognize yeah. that we have we have quarterbacks that we redshirt because we don't want to lose eligibility. Like we got people in the tuck like it's we recruit just like any of these guys so mm-hmm. we are it's gonna be fun yeah, yeah it's gonna be, gonna be fun it's like with all these teams with bama clemson and ohio state i think for the most part really just those three it's how how far ahead of everybody else are you it's you're always going to be able to compete 
even like with those people. But it's like, is it a championship year? Or is it not? Like Clemson mm-hmm. had a was a down year. If you want to like talk about the people that they put on the field, it was a down year. Um, mm-hmm. It was a down year for us, low key, in terms of personnel and talent. It was a down year for us. So that's why I'm not too mad about like the the outcome. Because keep it a buck, I was terrified of Clemson. In my lifetime, we're zero and three against Clemson. So. Mm-hmm. It's a bad matchup. Understandable. It's understandable. Time. Like last year, when y'all played, um, we had them, the squad last year. That's like, what I'm saying. Y'all had the, the tools squad. to beat them, and I just think Clemson outshined you. They just they found a way. Yeah, but the refs, the refs, the refs, the refs, the refs were highly questionable. But it, Justin, when push came to shove, it Justin Fields made some bad plays, some bad throws. Yeah. So. And that and that interception at the end of the game, that's really – That was on awesome. Olave. That was on Olave. That, that was, was that was the wrong route. That was the wrong route. Yeah. Um, Remember, he broke off and, and yeah. before. You're not supposed to do that. That was on Olave, mm-hmm. not Justin Fields. But he still didn't have a good game. I think he had two interceptions, uh, like one touchdown. It's, he still didn't have a good game. But that last play wasn't on him. But, I mean, overall, I think Justin Fields is one of the better quarterbacks to come out of Ohio State recently compared to, like, Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins. I think he has. He's probably a, dumb. A higher, there's some a higher upside. There's some people that will tell you he's the best quarterback in Ohio State history. There, yeah, really? I mean, there he are does, some people like statistic. Like he's yes, in terms of uh, up like upside and everything. Yeah, they there are some people that tell you that he's the best. When but you got to think about like Braxton Miller is not a quarterback. Um, Troy Smith won the Heisman. He wasn't a quarterback. Like we don't put out, we don't have quarterbacks. We have athletes at quarterback. Yeah, you're not Justin wrong. Fields I mean, and Dwayne you had Joe Burrow at one point, but he ain't play. Huh? You had Burrow at one point, but he ain't play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, that, that one. Mm. It I mean, hey, hey, it check this out, cool right? Check this out, Burrow. There. Check, check this out. This, this is my mindset behind it, right? So. The Burrow thing didn't work out for obvious reasons, but then they go and get Justin Fields in the similar situation, and he left Georgia. Yeah, same thing happened. So they got their replenishment, they got their refuel. You know what I'm saying? They got their second chance. Mm-hmm. And, and Justin Fields State. fits what we do way more than exactly. Joe Burrow. Like we don't we don't do pro style like um, offenses. Joe, you know, like we're spread for you know for uh, four receivers. Um, Running the, you know, running the uh, QB. Um, so that's why Joe Burrow didn't play. And he was just behind some, some, some talented quarterbacks. He was, he was behind some talent. So at the Q, at the NCAA level, he was behind yeah. some talent. So, well, with that said, we'll, that'll wrap up the uh, national championship portion of the episode. We'll move on to, some of the NFL games that we had this past weekend, just to kind of give everybody a quick recap, we'll just go down the scores the way that I have them here. So the Buffalo Bills beat the Indianapolis Colts by the score of 27 to 24. The Los Angeles Rams beat the Seattle Seahawks by the score of 30 to 20. The Tampa Bay Bucks beat the Washington football team 31 to 23. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans by the score of 20 to 13. And the New Orleans Saints win 21 to 9 against the Chicago Bears. And then the last game that I have here, we had the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers by the score of 48 to 37. Um, Kevin, I'll start with you. What were some standouts from some of these games these this past weekend? Hey, Kyle, I have a question. Go ahead. What 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 did I, what did I go this weekend? Uh, you went 5 and 1. You went 5 and 1. I just I want I want the audience to be aware. Um I will start it off with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I apologize for absolutely doubting them. They came in there and they punched Pittsburgh right in their fucking face. Um, <laughs> I think I I really like I, I can't. We were texting about it. I really can't put into words how much of an ass whooping it was. I mean, Pittsburgh later in the game, you know, crawled back into it and tried to make it a reasonable score. But early on, I mean, first quarter, we're talking 28 nothing, and Ben played horrible. I don't want to hear it. Uh, there's no if and or buts about it. He really made a case for himself that he, I don't know, he couldn't really do it. I don't oh, know if he was. It, it, that's what I'm yeah, saying. That's what, that I he, saw. He's, that's what I saw. He's a potential comeback player of the year in terms of coming back from that injury, but it just went and showed like push came to shove. Like like Kyle made the point last week in our episode that Ben may not be ready. That week may have hurt him more than helped him because he needed to stay within a rhythm. And Cleveland just Cleveland just went out and did what they needed to do. Uh, 
Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool went and ran their mouths throughout the week. I'll get into that a little bit later. But Cleveland went out and did what they needed to do. They ran the football, and Baker played mistake-free football. And I think that that's what Cleveland needs to do to go forward. Chicago, New Orleans, um, I can't necessarily put it all on Mitchell because there was a drop touchdown early on, and momentum was immediately destroyed right then and there. I mean, Chicago's hopes and dreams were – I think they were lost on that one play. And they could have made it a game. They they could have made it a game. They could have made it a game, and they botched it. Uh, I I didn't really see anything from New Orleans for Tampa to really worry about this coming week. I mean, the the Bears' defense was good, but I think Drew is hurting a lot more than people want to say. The Bucks, uh, Heineke played really, 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 really good football. I mean, you can't ask for much more from a backup that hasn't really had many reps throughout the year. And I think that Washington's defense all in all played as best as they could have. But like Tom and Bruce Arian said, if you're going to challenge the best, you're going to get the best. And Tom Brady showed why he has six championships. So I think that Tampa did what they needed to do. And their defense played very well as well. Uh, going into the – what's the next game I was just thinking of? Oh, my God. Uh, we, got, we, got, we got the Rams and the Seahawks. Rams and Seahawks, I called it. I mean, the stinger that happened to their backup quarterback kind of sucked. I didn't expect Jared to play. Uh yeah. The Rams defense, like I said, right off rip, man, I, I literally said it. If the Rams could get to Russell, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. Russell just can't shake a pass rush. I didn't even realize statistically he was like a top three or top four quarterback in, in sacks this year. I didn't realize how bad the Seahawks offensive line was until I just saw Aaron Donald and them boys just getting in there whenever they wanted. So yeah. that defense is, is here. Um, I mm-hmm. will say that the Rams do need to pay attention to their injuries. I know that Jared Goff is still battling his. Uh, Cooper Cup left that game, and Aaron Donald is banged up with a rib injury. So, I mean, uh, I don't know how that's going to pan out against the Seahawks. I mean, against the the Packers, but I would be aware. And then the next AFC matchup. Am, am I almost done? I think I'm almost done. You got, you got two. Track. You got two more. I'll, we'll we'll throw the uh, the Ravens and the Titans. What did I say? Contained Derrick Henry, and I'm not worried. And what did mm-hmm. I, what happened? This man Lamar Jackson took off. And he almost doubled what Derrick Henry had in total. This mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is on a mission and he's out to show everybody like, yo, I want an MVP for a reason. I need to get this monkey off my back and say, yo, I could win in the playoffs. He played efficiently. And the Titans, man, it just, it, I said it all year. I, as a Colts fan, I understand that Derrick Henry is probably one of the best backs in football and one of the most prolific and aggressive runners we've ever seen since Earl Campbell. But if you find a way to literally stack the box as simple as it sounds and you just contain that man to not having those explosive 30 to 50 yard runs, Ryan Tannehill is an average quarterback at best. And that Ravens defense has studs in the secondary with all pro and pro bowl corners, uh, Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters. I knew exactly what was going to happen. They were going to get to Henry and Lamar ended up eating the clock and they ran the ball very, very, very efficiently. And last but not least, it's sad to say uh, we made it a game. The Colts found a way to uh, to go into Buffalo and really contain Josh Allen as best as they could. Uh, sadly enough, we shot ourselves in the foot. We had six drops in the game in total. We went for it on fourth down, and we had a drop touchdown on fourth. We went for a two-point conversion that was unnecessary, missed a field goal, mm-hmm. uh, penalties, you name it. I mean, the Colts lost to the Colts, not the Bills. Let's get that very straight and clear. And – Philip Rivers played extremely well. I cannot lie to you. I was in shock at how well he played. He did everything that we needed him to do for a 39-year-old non-mobile quarterback in the cold at uh, at Buffalo. He did everything I wanted him to do and more. We ran the football as best as we could, but that Buffalo defense is still stout. And they showed that, you know, they were the better team. Unfortunately, we we came up short, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next season. But, you know, all in all, I thought it was a great wild card weekend. Tyree, you're up. Bro, I don't got a single thing to say. He covered every single base, I, bro. I mean, I mean, here's the thing, because, like, I'm, I'm, I'll kind of just do kind of like a quick recap of what I thought of each game. With Buffalo and Indianapolis, it was a great game. Back and forth. And I was really surprised that with how hot the Buffalo Bills offense has been, especially with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs just lighting up secondaries the last couple of weeks, they were able to have their way with the Colts secondary a little bit more in the second half. They had that, that nice little touch to that like 35, 40 yard throw from Allen to Stephon Diggs, like early in the second half. 
but I was really impressed with Indianapolis defense, Indianapolis's defense to give the offense a chance to, to go on the road against one of the hottest teams in the league at that moment in time and to basically go toe-to-toe with them for pretty much the entirety of the game. And there were there were moments in time where I thought Indianapolis could have really taken the lead and could have stole, stolen one in Buffalo. It's just little mistakes here and there. Like you said, the drops didn't help. I think taking that two-point conversion, I, that was a decision when when Frank Reich made that decision. I didn't understand it at the time, and I still don't understand it now. But even with that said, they had a chance to at least give themselves an opportunity to tie the game. And with limited time that they had, Philip Rivers got them close, but just couldn't get them close enough in the field goal range. And really, I thought Philip Rivers had an outstanding day. He's, it's one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen him have. And it's at, literally at the tail end of his career. The only thing with him is, is that I don't understand why they didn't have Jacoby Brissett in that last play of the game to throw the Hail Mary because I mean, Phil Rivers was almost 10 yards short of the end zone. It's, it's yeah. like you're not even giving your guys a chance to get in the end zone to score to potentially win the game. It just, but that, that kind of just goes to show it's just like you could tell that Phil Rivers just does not have the arm that he used to have when he was a star in the league. Still a great quarterback and still can't be reliable. But just, I wish they would have had Jacoby in, in that situation and not Phil, because at least Jacoby would have got it to the end zone. Yeah, um, I mean it, it's 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 <clears throat> agitating to know that the play calling was inconsistent. I want to be very nice because I have to understand that depending on the matchups and the personnel that you're going up against, you have to kind of adjust and play a different kind of game set per team. But Frank mm-hmm. showed that, in my personal opinion, I don't know if you agree. I don't know if Tyree agrees. I know that you guys don't watch as many Colt games as I do. I think that he needs to be removed from the play calling situation because that put us in bad situations in a lot of our losses this year. And as, as very well as, uh, as our wins, um, our second half adjustments, as you know, have been abysmal the last month and a half. And I think that his decision-making late in the game, as you pointed out with uh, that lack of a substitution for Jacoby and then having Jacoby in on a third and five to try to, to try to sneak that in, he his situational awareness was was very inconsistent this year, and I think that uh, Frank needs to kind of take a step back, be a coach, and not a play caller. We're also losing mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus this offseason. He's definitely a, a head coach in the making. So, um, real quick, it's going to be a change. I I mean I don't yeah you're right I don't watch <clears throat> Colts games like that, but I just know how important that offensive play calling is, like. So I, I, I understand. I did watch that game, and there were some questionable decisions. So if, if sometimes, like, head coaches, you know what I'm saying, like, you need to do what you're good at and let very good people that are in, all, you know, in that offensive coordinator situation, offensive coordinate, you know what I'm saying? Like, get you a great play caller in there. I think y'all would be good. Like, y'all, y'all got tools. Y'all would be good. I think so. Yeah, and then moving on to the next couple games, the Rams beating the Seahawks was a little bit surprised by that. I just didn't think that um, the Rams defense would disrupt Russell Wilson's uh, consistency with the offense. Um, Really give a shout out to really the defensive line and Aaron Donald just absolutely disrupting the entire rhythm of the Seattle's offense the entire day. Got to give a big shout out to Cam Akers as well. He had a career day and they certainly needed him to step up big and he and he did. I think he had like 150 yards rushing. He he was he was a man amongst boys against Seattle's defense. Um, moving on to Tampa versus Washington, I thought this was a I thought this was a solid game from the Bucks. It did get kind of close at certain points, but I mean it's Brady. He's been here before. He knows how to handle those pressure situations, and he stepped up big. I mean he almost had 400 yards. He had like almost like 400 yards passing. Had a, a couple of nice touchdowns to AB. Uh, Chris Godwin. Overall, I thought the Bucks played okay. I thought the offense played great. But the one thing about the Bucks is that defense can be had. And moving forward, that's going to be something that we're going to have to really pay attention to because I mean, the last time that the, the Bucks uh, played a playoff caliber team, they got smoked against the Saints. So we're going to have to really kind of wa- you know watch and see what happens with with Tampa. I'm not worried about the offense per se, but 
the defense is definitely has its holes, and they're definitely going to have to shore up some some of those holes moving forward. With the Ravens and the Titans, honestly, this was a really kind of tough game for me to pick. I did pick Tennessee just because I didn't think that Baltimore's defense would be able to contain Derrick Henry. Obviously, I was wrong. They basically held him. He was basically ineffective the entire day. Ryan Tannehill did not step up. Um, I thought overall, I thought Baltimore's defense played extremely well against A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. They had largely, they had rather pedestrian performances, but I think in large part that was due to Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and just really the the Ravens secondary getting after those guys and getting physical with them. And then Lamar Jackson was a stud. I mean, he was an absolute monster running the ball. And he's one of the fastest quarterbacks that I've ever seen. Once he gets his, once he gets going and he gets in space, he's one of the most dangerous quarterbacks. I mean, not only quarterbacks, one of the most dangerous athletes in the NFL, just because when he gets going, it is hard for, it is hard to stop him. And, and he has really just great juke ability just to get out of situations to kind of extend the play that he's um, going out with. So really just an outstanding performance from the Baltimore Ravens. And like Kevin said, it was nice to see Lamar get his first playoff victory in his career. Um, with the Saints and the Bears, this game was kind of a dud to me. The Saints yeah, was pretty much kind of rolled through. They did what they needed to do. The Bears suck. The Bears are, were lucky to just be there just because they, they don't have a quarterback, whether it's Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky. They cannot play – they can't really play the position that well. Now, Mitchell has been playing better the last couple of weeks. I will give you that. But I really think, and Kev really hit on this when he was talking about this game, was was Wims dropping that touchdown pass. It was a perfect pass. I know I give a lot of crap about Mitchell Trubisky not being able to play, but that was a perfect pass from Mitchell. And, dude, you got to catch that. I mean, like when you're watching a replay, he had his arms out like this. You literally just like – you got to like – you got to like – bring your hands up if you're like right to your shoulder and then just look the ball in. Like, I don't know why you would let it come like all the way down to like basically where your stomach is. I mean, it was, it was a walk-in touchdown and it just couldn't be able to, couldn't secure the catch, but yeah, the bears defense did play well. I think they were able to play as best as they could against uh, the saints offense, but you know, it's, it sucks that when the defense is spending so much time on the field, and your offense isn't producing. It's just at a certain point in time that defense is going to break. And Drew Brees and the offense was able to do just enough to get by against the Bears. But I'm worried about the Saints moving forward because, um, like you said, Drew is definitely showing his age. Obviously, I think those ribs are really tender right now. So I think he's going to do his best to kind of manage that situation going forward. But if the Bucs um, can get some pressure on him and really kind of go after those ribs, it, it may be a difficult day for uh, Drew Brees and then really the performance of the weekend as far as I'm concerned was Cleveland just absolutely smacking uh, Pittsburgh I mean <laughs> it didn't help it, it it didn't help that Pittsburgh kind of shot themselves in the foot literally in the first play they snapped the ball um, I think it was Marquise Pouncey he snaps it over Big Ben's head and Big Ben and James Conner can't fall on the ball and then Cleveland turns that into a touchdown and I mean it was the game was over after the first quarter they were down 20 to nothing against Cleveland in the first quarter. I'm like, you're not going to be able to come come back for that. Unless you're Tom Brady and you're playing against the Falcons, that maybe once in a lifetime thing. But, I mean, I didn't think that Big Ben had that great of a game. He had four interceptions. The team had five turnovers. So you're not going to win the game when Big Ben throws it damn near 70 times. He has four turnovers. The team has five. And you spot the other team 28 points at the beginning. You're just not going to be able to win games. So, I mean, overall, like, I, I was really impressed that Cleveland was able to really take advantage of those mistakes that Pittsburgh made, those self-inflicted wounds that Pittsburgh made on themselves. But, I mean, Cleveland is – they're a fun team. They're a good team. And it is going to be interesting watching that team go up against Kansas City next week. So, just to kind of go over the, the upcoming games with, for the divisional round, not dive t- too much into it. I'll just kind of – I'll go down the games. I'll just ask you um, who's going to win the game and why. Um, we'll start with Kev. Uh, we'll do Green Bay versus uh, the Rams. Who do you have winning and why? Uh, I got Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is probably second best team in the entire league. Uh, like I stated, uh, LA is hurt, 
And if Aaron Donald is not at somewhat of a competable or Aaron Donald level, should I say, I don't think that they're going to be able to get any pressure on Aaron. And I think that Aaron dominates in the air. Uh, Jalen Ramsey will probably be on Devontae Adams the entire game. I think that's going to be the most exciting matchup of the weekend. But I think Green Bay edges that out by about a touchdown. So I'd say maybe 28, 21, or 27, 20 uh, Green Bay. All right, Terry, who do you have? Uh, yeah, I got Green Bay, uh, mainly because I don't – I think Green Bay is going to put up points, and, and with uh, L.A. being hurt, I don't think that they're going to be able to keep up. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to get enough pressure, but just it's, – it's, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, so he's going to get his points. Um, he'll toss it up and get 28 points. Um, so, yeah, they uh, – L.A. is just not going to be able to catch up or keep up just offensively. Um, so, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you guys hundred percent. I think green Bay wins this one. I, I won't say fairly easily. I think they probably win this one by like 10, maybe 13 points. I think, I think they could put 31 up against the Rams. I say 10 points. Um, I, I could see this one going like 31, 21. I'm, Damn, I would really be, I, I, I mean, it could even be more like, I, I don't even know if the Rams are going to get, uh, if they're going to crack 20 points just because I, of the situation bro, with Jared Goff. In my head, I was just about to say, I don't see them. I say, I say like, 14 for the Rams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I say like 31, I mean, 14 or something like that. Aaron Rodgers and um, Devontae Adams are going to cook. I think Devontae, well, I, I'll say this. Ah. I'll, I'll say this. We're going to have to watch that, that matchup between him and Jalen. That is going to be a fun matchup. Now, they gotta go now. LA's gotta go up there, and it's gonna be cold. So we're go, we're, we're definitely gonna see. We're gonna find out whether or not that Jalen can play well up in that environment against Devontae when basically Aaron Rodgers and Devontae have been cooking the entire year. But mm-hmm. yeah, I got Green Bay winning this one. As, as far as I'm concerned, that they, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna blow them out, but I think that they should be able to win this one fairly convincingly. So up next, we got New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. So Tyree, I'll start with you. Uh, who you got with this one? Bro, I don't know, bro. Only thing, like, this is this not X's and O's, like, an analyzation or analysis of X's and O's. I just don't think when you sweep a team, it never goes well for you. Like when you sleep mm-hmm. them in the in the in the in the regular season, and it just never really goes well for you in the playoffs. Um, and I think that's across all sports, you know. Um, so I, I got Tampa. Um, I do. Um, Breeze, some you know there there's this there's there's this smoke that he he's he doesn't win in the playoffs mm-hmm. like that. And where there's smoke, there there's fire. And now that Tampa's going up against you know, because you know historically I kind of like the Saints, um, but fuck the Saints now, fuck out of here. <laughs> Fuck out of here, Tampa. Um, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be close. Uh, seven, ten points. Um, I think that both teams are gonna be able to put up points. I think that Tampa's gonna be able to get stops when when they need to. Um, so I can I say maybe like twenty eight, twenty one, twenty eight, seventeen, something like that. Okay, I got you, Kev. You're up next. Uh, I got Tampa. Same, uh, about the same point differential, uh, seven, ten points. Uh, I have the edge mainly because Tampa gets back Devin White um, from the COVID list. And Tampa is the top defense in terms of stopping the run. And the Saints are going to have to rely on Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray to kind of shelter the load to make sure that that play action is efficient for Drew Brees. Now, if Tampa's pass rush can be as effective as they were last week, I think that Tampa ends up winning this game by 14 plus because if you take away Alvin Kamara and you hinder Drew Brees and you have TB12 on that opposite side, boy, they they went and did what they needed to do this last month. They dominated the postseason win against Washington when they needed to turn it on. Everybody's in a rhythm. Um, I don't know what's going on with Ronald Jones. I don't know why I didn't see him on the field much. Uh, Leonard Fournette kind of to get took a, the reins. To get a, to get a quad issue. It was a quarter uh, calf. It, he, I would assume so. It was a quarter calf. It was one of those. So he played, I mean, though, he, right? He played, just not. I much. think it was like one or two. It was like one or two snaps. That was it. I think if those two together really play well, I think that Tampa runs away with this. Uh, I would say my actual score, if I had to put money on it, about seven to ten. 
if my prediction comes to fruition, I would probably say 14 to 21 points. I think that Tom Brady, for whatever reason, is always in another gear when it comes to the postseason for some odd reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty much with you guys. I think Tampa wins this one. I think it's going to be a closer game. I think it's going to be about a seven-point game. I just don't see Tom Brady losing to the same team th- three times in one season. I just don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. I think I think the one thing that we're going to have to definitely watch for is um, the Saints' offense. If they have a similar type of performance like they had against the Bears, I think they're really in trouble. Um, with the Bucks, obviously their defense has some holes. I mean, if you have t- freaking Taylor Heineke going off against that defense – even Drew Brees, even though that he's compromised to a certain extent, he can definitely make some plays and, and, and make it close for New Orleans. But I think I just like the matchup that New England, New England, that Tampa has. Force of um, habit, it's okay. Yeah, I, I get it. That that Tampa has against uh, New Orleans defense. Now, if New Orleans' defense can get some pass rush, I think they'll be okay. But Washington's defense wasn't able to generate any pass rush last week. I don't think that, that New Orleans is going to be – I think New Orleans is going to kind of be in a similar situation that Washington was in last week. I think the Bucs win this one by seven points. I'm going to say like 31-24. Let's say somewhere around there. So up next, we got the uh, we got the Ravens going up against the Bills. Um, I'm just going to ask you guys real quick, uh, who do you got winning this one? I'll start with uh, Tyree. Uh, Ravens. Okay, so Kev? Uh, I got Buffalo staying hot. Uh, Buffalo, I just think it's their time. I think it's, uh, you know, Lamar got his one win. Buffalo's defense is effective, efficient. Their offense, it, like you said, it, they're, they're very good. Our defense is that much better than Baltimore's. I know that they have better corners, but I don't know. I just, I got a little feeling this week that Buffalo kind of mm-hmm. shines and goes into the AFC Championship against uh, Kansas City. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Buffalo. I think Buffalo, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be kind of a back and forth game. Um, I just like – I'm really interested to see if Josh Allen can really kind of overcome that that uh, Baltimore secondary. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill wasn't able to do that last week, but somebody's got to, somebody's got to show me that, they, that someone can stop Stephon Diggs because Stephon Diggs has just been going off the entire year. And that connection between him and Allen has just been money the entire year. I think Buffalo wins this one. I'm going to say like 28-24. It's going to be a very close game. It wouldn't surprise me any way, shape, or form if Baltimore wins that game. Yeah, if, the last if game, it comes down to three points, um, be very careful. If it's tied at any point, Lamar is very efficient at getting the greatest kicker of all time coming up behind Adam Vinatieri and Justin Tucker, the clutchest kicker ever. If, if this game is tied at any point in the fourth quarter, I'm giving the edge to Baltimore only because they have that man. That man has mm-hmm. won them single-handedly some of the most important games in their history. So for sure, I would not be surprised if Baltimore kind of keeps it within that point. Right. And then the last game that we have for the week is – hold up, give me a second. Um, the last game of the week we got um, – Browns. We have the Browns versus Kansas City. So who do you have for this one, you guys? Are we missing one? I'm sorry? I don't think nope, so. That's, a, that's nope. the last one. Dang. We did well, LA. Quick. Not LA. Um, <laughs> we did LA. Yeah, that we was the LA? last one. That was the first one. Yeah, you're right. That was the first one. Yep. Yep. Dang. Um, who is it? Browns, Kansas City? Man, yeah. uh, for the for for the life of me, bro, I would love the Browns to win. Like Ohio, my dad, I would love for them to win. But I just think Mahomes and them boys, they pull it out. I don't think that you need a lot of analysis. They are just a terrifying team to – and they're just never out of the game. So, in terms of what the Browns like to do, you know, even if they jump up ahead um, and try and run that ball, they get a little conservative when they're ahead because they have that run game. Um, you can't do that against Kansas City because they can put yeah. up 30 points in five minutes. Like, So, I just think that pressure of, like, just never – that messes with psyches. You feel me? Like just never being able to relax. Um, I don't know if the Browns are ready for that. Um, I think that they are made. For, I think the Browns are made for the playoffs with that run game, that pass rush. Um, but it's this kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah. this, is a, this is a bad matchup for the for the league. So uh, Kansas City, I think the Browns are going to put up points. Um, I could see it going uh, 35-21 ish. Gotcha. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I got Kansas City too. I got Kansas City for sure. Um, I think that Pat Mahomes and that whole team getting two weeks off is huge. Whatever mm-hmm. Knicks that offense had, they I think they're gonna be straight. I think that Patty dropped forty on Cleveland. I'm not. I, I don't even mean to be disrespectful. I feel like Pat's coming out there and he's gonna sling it. I don't think anybody can keep up with Tyreek Hill when he's fast. Like when he's when he's blowing by people, ain't nobody for for whatever reason. You could put two safeties in the end zone and he's still going to find a way to score. That's just how confident I am and how fast he is. And you got probably one of the best dynamic, most athletic tight ends in the game in Travis Kelsey. I think that Pat Mahomes is going to get him going early. And if Le'Veon Bell can return to any type of form, this is going to be the week to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Kansas City goes maybe 40, 45 points to Cleveland's 24. I just think Kansas City rolls through. No disrespect. Cleveland's coming, but it's not their time yet. Understood. Fair enough. I'm not going to quote Chase Claypool and say that the, the Browns are going to get clapped this weekend by that. the Chiefs. I'm not going to say that. But, no, I, I think I think Kansas City is, is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think Cleveland's definitely going to make a good showing uh, for Cleveland. But um, – I just – I don't see them overcoming Patrick Mahomes. That offense is too explosive. It's too dynamic. You've got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Demarcus Robinson, uh, Sammy Watkins, and then you got Le'Veon Bell. And um, is Clyde edwards helaire playing in this game? No, I think Oops. he's out for the year. Is he, okay. Okay. Even, even so. Uh, Clyde helaire from LSU. Oh, Ru- yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think he's playing. I'm just saying good – well – even with that said, you still got Le'Veon, and Le'Veon is still a viable back as far as I'm concerned. So I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. I could see them scoring at least 35-plus in this game. Um, I'm going to say that they – I'm going to go a little bit under. I'm going to say that they only score 31. Um, I think it's going to be like a 31-21 game. Um, I don't think that Kansas City is going to put up 50 points on Cleveland. I just – I don't see that happening. If they do, good for them. Um, I'd just be really surprised if Cleveland really gives up that many points against uh, Kansas City. But it's Patrick Mahomes. You never know what you're going to get. Bro, if if you're in the AFC right now, like, you got to be real mad, bro, that, like, you coming up yeah. in the Patrick Mahomes era. Like, come on. Because there's some good squads in the AFC right now, bro. Mm-hmm. You, like, it runs through it, it runs through uh, Heinz Field. And not, it, that's Kansas City, right? Heinz Field? No, Arrowhead. 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 What's Heinz Field? Fucking Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just watching. <laughs> I just watched. I just watched Pittsburgh. Uh, um, you got to be mad. You got to be a little tight. Oh, 100%. Uh, and to correct myself, Edward Hilaire is active for the week. He had a massive high ankle sprain and a hip strain in week 15. They said that he may return for the game, depending on how he clears practice throughout the week. All right. So we got. Um, we got some quick hitters real quick. Um, basically, let's just go over the, the Kyrie news with him and the Nets. Obviously, he's had his issues of not showing up to games. He's been inactive the last couple of games. More than likely probably going to miss the next – at least the next three games. Um, is Kyrie uh, toxic for this team moving forward? Terry, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to let you go for real. Like, I, I got my stuff to say. I know this is your boy. This is my boy, bro. Um, and every like, even Cav knows. Everybody knows. Like, he's my favorite player. Mine is Bron. Like, and Bron is a on the. He's a goat. Like, but other than that, like Kyrie is my favorite player, and it's getting real hard to like keep defending him because I understand. But it's like, yo, these people are after you. You know what I'm saying? Like the media is after you. Um, you can't keep giving them. You can't keep giving them stuff to talk about, um, like skipping practice because you felt not practice, skipping games because you felt like it. Like, bro, just say you had a back spasm. Like, come on, like you, like you. He, he. Right now, he's refusing to play the game, and this is what happens when you do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think, like, for some reason, 
the media is I think it is a lot of the media. I think he's not doing anything that a lot of other players don't feel like with the back um what was he just in the news for um like today in December no nah, in December oh um just like safe. how the media interacting with the media like I don't want to talk to the media they ask the same questions they ask stupid questions a lot of people feel like that but do you want to be the poster boy especially like when you you have these you're already like you know what I'm saying? The media is after you. Like, I, I guess I can't just, like, I can't put it in any other way. So it's like you got to play the game or they're going to call you a cancer. So you're not doing any favors by all of this stuff. Um, so I, I don't I don't feel bad for him at this point because you're you're bringing it on, on yourself. Like, you know, it's COVID. You got to be extra careful. And then you let videos, you know, surface of you breaking COVID rules. Like, that doesn't. I don't understand. So, and my thing is, even if you don't think that you're a cancer, you're a distraction because who are answering these questions? It's your teammates. You're not even there, you know? Like after the game, your teammates got to answer those questions. And as a leader, like you don't want to bear that to, to, your, to your guys. So mm-hmm. he's not doing himself any favors. I understand a lot of the stuff that he's saying when he says it, but – sometimes I feel like he's just not as smart as he thinks he is. I think he he's real um, holier than that. Like, he thinks he's smarter than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And right now, if you can't articulate the message, you know what I'm saying, then they'll call you crazy. Like, and I don't think he's doing that well right now. Kev, you're so, up. So, I've been... I've been thinking about how to articulate what it is I want to say for the last couple of hours. Um, obviously, news broke the, today of Kyrie breaking COVID protocol. Last week, Kyrie announcing that he didn't want to play in the game because basically he didn't feel like it. And obviously, Kyrie is one of the most prolific basketball players in the NBA. There is no question. The man immediately makes a basketball team better. He is an NBA champion. You know what I'm saying? Kyrie is a professional. Like, he is always a very well-spoken individual when he does com- uh, communicate with the media. But personally, I've had enough. Like, I I have to chop him up. Like, it, it, it's getting to a point now. He did what he did in Boston, and that situation got twisted. And, you know, he said, I want to be in Boston. And then he left. Breakdowns with Danny Ainge. Whatever happened, it fell apart. That whole situation to come to Brooklyn with KD, it happened. Last year didn't pan out due to injuries. KD having the, the the Achilles rupture, so he didn't play the whole year. But first and foremost, Kyrie has had a shit ton of injuries the last three years between the shoulder, the knee. Um, I want to say I want to say the shoulder twice technically, yeah, uh, because it was bothering him in Cleveland, and then when he went to Boston, he had oh no, it was bothering him in Boston, had the procedure, and then he got hurt again in Brooklyn. Then so he got last year, yeah. So Kyrie's. <laughs> Uh, injury prone he's got a a max contract right now with Brooklyn then we have Kyrie's media escapades over the last couple of years I, I don't know if anybody remembers he had a first take segment with Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith and for whatever reason I just got a weird vibe that that segment that he was just very arrogant and like Tyree said he feels he's smarter than a lot of people and the brother says a lot of big words and very well structured and put together sentences and he has a lot of facts but when you come across as someone that cannot be wrong or cannot be told something and you can't agree with it I feel like he can't take constructive criticism very well you immediately become one of those people in the league that it is very hard to talk with mm-hmm. it's very hard to tell you where you need to improve it is very difficult to want to cheer for somebody who thinks they're better than everybody Confidence is one thing. We all know Braun has a confidence to it. We all know, uh, even at a young age, Luka Doncic has a confidence to his game. Kyrie has a very cocky approach to how he presents himself. Now, granted, he backs it up because the man could go for 40 any night. I, I, I 100% understand that. But it's how he goes about it. He came to Brooklyn because he wanted to play with someone that can hit the shot because he's never had that absolute disrespect. You don't say that about LeBron James because you don't have a championship without LeBron James. You've had enough of that stupidity. You put all the weight on Kevin when you don't want to play basketball. Like you said, you put all the pressure on teammates when you don't want to play basketball. You have a rookie head coach in Steve Nash 
who put all his faith and has said nothing and shot all praise to you and Kevin. And you're basically saying, I don't want to play. I don't feel like it. I don't know what kind of disrespect or arrogance you got to have to literally look at your teammates and be like, I just don't feel like it. I get the media trips them up. The media puts them in a lot of awkward situations. The narrative is always spinning that Kyrie's a bad person. But it's one thing if it happens one or two times. We're talking about multiple locker rooms he's been in since he left Cleveland, that this has been a spiraling issue. And he's an individualist. He's a different thinker. He is very unique. But when it becomes a habit, repetitively and consistently, today broke the camel's back because you're going to really sit out here and go clubbing. So for your sister's birthday or not, no yeah. mask. You out there just disregarding COVID protocols. Like me and Kyle was talking about a few weeks ago, James Harden was doing the same thing and the league bashed him. It's not going to stop because you Kyrie Irving. It's not going to stop because you were already away from the team. They gave you all this money. They have all this faith in you. They paired you up with probably the best scorer in the NBA. And you're really going to leave him hanging because yeah, you want to be and, – and you're right, in history. <laughs> and you're going to sit here and basically just be a little bitch about it. Like, I'm sorry it has gotten to that point where I am now fed up with Kyrie Irving. And I, I've honestly had enough. Does Do they pull the trigger and trade him to Houston for James Harden? Does he get packaged somewhere else? I don't know. But I think that his relationship with the Nets has started to separate a lot faster than what people expected. But mm. I did call this when he signed with Brooklyn. I said that he was going to be a head case. It's, he got a pride a, issue. Go ahead. Nah, go ahead. Not, that's it. It's a pride thing. It's like you can't swallow your pride and talk to the media. You can't swallow your pride and, and play. You can't swallow your pride. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just he has a pride issue. And I come, you know, like a whole lot of problems start when you got pride issues. I, I mean, I don't think I could. I, I don't think I could really add anything here, you guys. I think you guys knocked it out of the park. I think really the only thing I've got to say is Kyrie committed to the Nets, and as far as I can tell, the fact that he's out there partying, doing what he wants to do, it's, it, it's just not a good look, as far as I'm concerned. And as far as I'm concerned, look, I I, I wonder if Brooklyn is really entertaining trade scenarios with him, but um, Kyrie's in trouble if he keeps doing this. And not only that, like his image, I think in the NBA is still highly regarded. But if he keeps doing this for the foreseeable future, people aren't going to tolerate that. And I, and to, to be honest with you, it's just it's disrespectful to his own team. That's just kind of how I see it. So, I just think moving forward, Kyrie, you got to get back on the court. I, you can't keep doing this. I mean, I work for Amazon, and I just can't call out like for a week saying I don't feel like it doesn't work like that. Like, so I, I feel point, you. Like, you make, you make your millions, bro. Like, I understand it. Because now, now I'm getting frustrated because it's like me, you, and, and Tyree, if, if we don't go to work, we're going to get fired, right? Because you make mm -hmm. millions to play a game. It's a luxury. It's a blessing. He thinks that he's better than the world. Him, James Harden, and whatever other NBA players are disregarding COVID protocols. Like, I think there should be a thing, not only because of COVID, but when athletes want to act up, your fully guaranteed contract, there need to be some some nicks. Not $462,000. That's, that's piss water. He's making $147 million. I, I, mm -hmm. They should be held without pay or, or, or half of their, their, their pay for that period that they're, they're out or injured or not communicating with the team should be removed. Like, I, I, I've truly and honestly had enough with these athletes that are going to continue to put themselves above their team and then just straight out just disrespect everybody that is trying to figure out why you, you can't be mad at the media asking questions are you kidding me like bro you're you're partying and you're ignoring us and you're ignoring your team what what do you expect to happen you're you're putting yourself in a bigger spotlight than you already were bro f fucking stop acting like an ass and go play basketball it's real simple yeah 400 guys do it per year why are you like why are you the only but like i would do like i keep prefacing it People feel about the media, you know what I'm saying? People feel the same way Kyrie does, but he's the one that's out, 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 um, spoken about it. So you're gonna, you're gonna, it's the, it's the, it's the cowboy and the arrows. It's like when you go over the hill and you take all the arrows and come back and say, hey, there's a lot of people over there. You're gonna take all the hits. Like, it's sorry. You, you, target's already on his back. Do. Huh? Target's already on his back. Yeah. I don't know Fair how enough. you don't understand that. So, but. Fair enough. 
Um, that's pretty much it, you guys. Um, I'll just just take a group consensus here. Uh, Steelers are clowns, right? The, as far as the the receivers go, just the Absolutely. shenanigans that they've been up to. I think Claypool is. I think Juju's intent is never. I think there's a big emphasis on a, every player, Kyrie. Just don't be distractions to your team. I think as long as you're winning, like with Juju, it worked. You know what I'm saying? As soon as y'all started losing, now it's an issue, you know? So I feel like you need to understand that. Like, I think Juju's fine. I think Claypool, what he said was is unnecessary. I think the media misconstrued what, what Juju said in the in the beginning. Um, but also, you can't give teams any type of ammunition, and, and he did. So um, – but like I like I like I mentioned, um, as long as you're winning, it, it's fine. But you're gonna lose some at some point, and they're gonna blame you on it, like for it. So like all these players, like just stop being distractions for y'all's team. It's real simple. Like I don't I don't think I could say anything more, you guys. Um, just want to take the time to uh, to thank you guys for coming on for this episode. Obviously, Kevin and I we've been chopping it up the last couple of weeks just with the episodes that we've been doing. But Tyree, this was our second time actually coming on. I, the first time that we got on, there were some technical issues on my end. So I apologize for that. But with that said, I really do appreciate both of you guys coming through for the podcast. And um, it's pretty much all I have left to say, you guys. Any final words from you two? Follow me. I'm just kidding. It's sweet little baby <laughs> T. Uh, you know, I'm a regular on uh, the free game podcast with my brothers. You feel me? So uh, go follow that a, at free GP five. Actually, no, I'm lying. We, we, we changed it. It's at the free game podcast. Go follow me. We did go your plugs. Kev, we throw the, the plugs, man. We did. Hey, goats. man. Hey, shout out. Shout out to Tyree for being on the cast, man. Really appreciate you coming out here and uh, talking about your team and, and defeat. I don't know if I would have been able to do what you did. You a better man than me. Yeah. But uh, it was good chopping it up with you. I know we work together, but I'll never get to see you or talk to you. So yeah, it was good yeah, to catch man. up, boy. All right, good. Love. Appreciate y'all, boys. All right, you guys. Yes, sir. Uh, that's it from here. Um, so long and uh, take it easy, you guys. Gang. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.